Hey folks, welcome to episode 119 of the Becoming Human podcast. This is part two of the Dallas Cloakie miniseries. This episode features Scott Bingen, a rock climber and mountaineer of 20 some odd years. Scott met Dallas when Dallas was in his 50s. It's interesting how we evolve over our lifetime. Our goals change, our ambitions tempered with time. However, Despite Dallas's age, he was still fiery hot with more energy than a youthful mountaineer. It's wild to think that Scott is now in his 50s, the same age that Dallas was when Dallas became Scott's climbing mentor. Dallas's climbing partner saw all different sides of Dallas. It's fascinating to unearth a vibrant and complicated man whose mountain adventures span decades. Scott shares his experience learning from and adventuring with Dallas Cloakey in his midlife. Without any further ado, here's Scott Bingen. songs and making friends and try my hardest to be the best person I possibly can you show me how to look into myself and see the problem and remind me no matter the first time I met Dallas I we'd been introduced by mutual friends and I mean the Skagit Valley climbing community at that at that time was pretty small I mean people knew each other you know so so yeah I think uh Tim Nelson actually introduced me to Dallas he kind of knew that I had uh, more mountaineering aspirations, mm-hmm. and um, so he's like, "Oh, you should, you should meet Dallas," you know. And yeah, I think we climbed at Mount Erie a couple times, and then and then we uh, we went and climbed the mighty uh, Sock Mountain for mm-hmm. the first time, and uh, or for my first time mm-hmm. outside of concrete there. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it was like a winter climb. It was cool. Yeah, oh, that is so <laughs> rad. And when you were at Erie, uh, was it just uh, was it sport climbing? Um, no, it's mostly trad climbing. Mostly trad. Yeah. I think Dallas kind of, he leaned more toward trad for sure. Mm-hmm. Not that he, he, obviously he wasn't afraid to place a bolt, you know, but if there was like an option for, for protection otherwise, like he would, he'd, he'd leave blanks, you know, most mm-hmm. of Dallas's routes as you've probably seen are like a bolt where it's needed. And then if you can get a piece of protection in. You know, he'll leave you to it. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of all of, er- or all of Darrington. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes Which for is cool. Fun. I like that. Like, yeah. You know. I like how there's that varied access, you know. Yeah, indeed. So like, what, what year did you uh, meet Dallas? Oh, boy. Let me think. Um, it must have been about probably 92, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Early 90s. Oh, wow. That's like over 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my my record keeping isn't the best, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it was early '90s, definitely. And um, when you were introduced to Dallas, uh, what was your like climbing and mountaineering ability then? Uh pretty pretty entry level, I'd say. Like, um, kind of trying to figure a bunch of stuff out for myself you know and did you not have very many like uh people or resources around you who who were better at or like who could teach you essentially were you like mostly self-taught i'd say mostly self-taught yes i mean that's someone else yeah (laughs) yeah there you know you climb with people of varying degrees of experience but most of the people that i was climbing with at that point had 
you know, the same amount of experience or, or less. So yeah, I, I wasn't afraid to go out and, you know, read the books and go out and like, you know, play with the gear mm -hmm. and, and set up self belays and things like that, you know, like, Hey, you want to climb, you know, if you don't have a partner, you figure out a way to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And when you met Dallas being entry level, like how many years do you think Dallas was climbing at that point? Oh, well, man, he's, you know, he started climbing in like the early sixties, I guess. Whoa. So yeah, I mean, he'd already had, you know, a lot, basically a lifetime of climbing. He was in his early fifties, I think when we That's first started wild. climbing. That's as much time as you have like about right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty close to Dallas's age, uh, that he was mm -hmm. when he started climbing with me. Wow. So, Yeah. What kind of, un did you guys spend a lot of time climbing after you were introduced to him or was it just like an occasional? No, climb? he was pretty much, you know, it, I mean, I know Dallas had lots of partners and some of those I ended up climbing with as well, but he definitely became my main, um, my main mountaineering partner for wow. sure. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of like my go-to guy mm -hmm. and he was always interested <laughs> and whatever, you know, whatever you threw out, like, hey, Dallas, really? what do you think about this? You know, and he would, he would either say, well, yeah, he'd have an opinion about it, or, mm -hmm. or maybe he'd done it already, or, and Dallas wasn't afraid to repeat things either. So, oh, really? like, you know, if, if, you, if you wanted to do something, and, and even though he'd already done it maybe four or five times, like, mm -hmm. he was willing to do it with you, because he knew you wanted to have that experience, and he was, like, ready to make that happen. Like, like Johannesburg, like big iconic Cascade Peak, you know, like he, I think he ended up climbing that thing like seven or eight times. Wow. Like, you know, I climbed it once and that was kind of enough for me, mm -hmm. but <laughs> <laughs> and I climbed it with Dallas because mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, you want to climb this? I'll do it with you. Wow. You know? He's just so. stoked to help you along up it. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it gave him a lot of pleasure to see, to see, uh, you know, see my goals fulfilled mm -hmm. and Dallas was also like he was uh he was a peak bagger so like you know he was he wasn't afraid like six, six times of Johannesburg no problem you know it's like he might say oh I'll never do that again but then someone mm -hmm. else would come along that wanted to climb it and and he would do it again so oh, that's cool <laughs> it seemed like he just really enjoyed being able to share what he loved with other people yeah I think he was just you know really uh he was stoked for your stoke. <laughs> and looking back on that now, from, from your perspective today, I suppose, how big of an undertaking is it to take on like an entry-level mountaineer climber um, and be their consistent partner? So you got to teach them a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility there, definitely. I mean, I think, um, you know, I was getting out as much as I could then, you mm -hmm. know, and... and uh, I think I really treasured those climbs with Dallas back then, especially so because he was so, so vastly experienced. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think looking back on some of the people that maybe I've had some share of mentorship in, like, mm -hmm. I think, I think it's kind of contagious, you know, mm -hmm. if someone wants to do that, you're, most people are pretty, I think apt to try to make that happen for somebody. You it's know, like really cool because you see some people who 
um, in certain things are like, I want to teach this and now I'm going to make some compromises so that I can spend time teaching this. But like, it seems very fluid in climbing, um, especially as climbing, you know, has progressed you through like the sixties all the way to the early two thousands where mm -hmm. you have that, um, what the mentorship thing where it's like people would, you get to this point and you might see someone and you take on all of that without declaring, I guess, and like right. opening up a gym or something, <laughs> right? And like yeah. becoming a teacher, you're just like, oh yeah, I'll take you up this. And then now your goals are like enveloped in these, in these people. Cause it's cool. I, I've gotten even just with my, you know, experience, like small amount of experience, I would get so much joy out of teaching new people. Like, yeah. It's, it is definitely contagious. Yeah. And I think Dallas definitely, you know, obviously enjoyed the the teacher role because he you know he was always always willing to take someone on whether it be a a day at Erie or you know some long trip in the mountains you know he wasn't afraid to to go you know invite six people on a mm -hmm. on a mountaineering trip you mm -hmm. know if six people wanted to go and you know he he knew they were up for it then mm -hmm. you know and sometimes we would do that sometimes we have these kind of big Groups in the mountains, wow. and yeah, that's what I mean. Everybody's it's like, climbing stuff, you know. That's if like, you're <laughs> out there to like enjoy like your the individual moves, when at some point you don't really get that to experience that much that as much as you get to experience watching these people experience it. Yeah, and like, and I think that that's just so cool to see someone like that because he's impacted so many people because he has that like love of peak bagging yet also that love of just being able to share and delight in this with people and watching them you yeah. know, come yeah, to definitely. it for the first few times. You know, I mean, and he, you know, he was a, his, he was a, uh, his career was a, was a teacher too. So I think it was probably something that came quite naturally to him, you know, was <laughs> to, to, I'm all right with a big group and we'll tell him, show him what to do and we'll go do it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what kind of teacher he was? Uh, he was a physical education teacher. Oh, he was? So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool to see. Um, I forgot the, who introduced you to Dallas, but Mark Nelson's dad. Uh -huh. um, it's cool because Mark does the same thing. He's the, I think he's a physical education teacher. Yeah. And he's like super into the outdoors. And it's so cool to see someone who's like teaches physical education, you know, such as Dallas as well. We're like, oh, I'm applying this in ways that I really like. Not like, ah, I get, you know, like... Let's play just someone who's just doing physical education because it's part of a curriculum, right? Yeah. Like someone who really is invested in actively participating and using your body in like yeah. cool ways. And Dallas took that really seriously too. You know, he was mm -hmm. he definitely liked to like to stay in shape, like to you know, the whole process, you know. And I think this it was, you know, that was kind of a perfect career for him in a lot of ways because cause he uh you know, he had summers off. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you know, he could have a climbing summer and, you know, and some of his climbing partners were, were teachers as well. So and I, some... you know, I, I was a seasonal worker, so I had lots of time off. And so, you know, it worked out well that way. Yeah, there was quite a bit of overlap then between his like teaching and, and climbing and the people he brought into that community. Yeah. I, you know, as far, I know he had, he did have some students of his from, you know, that, that pursued climbing, but, but he also, yeah, he climbed with a lot of other school teachers, mm -hmm. which 
I think, uh, obviously worked out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was it like to learn from Dallas when you're out in the mountains? Like what kind of teacher do you, was he? Um, Dallas definitely wasn't like, uh, you know, these are the rules type of climber, which I think is pretty fitting to climber personalities anyway. But, you know, he was more of like, le- definitely more of a leader by example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think he was a pretty good at assessing what people's skill levels were, especially in the mountains, and like knowing when when to bring the rope out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was probably, you know, a lot of times where Dallas would have been perfectly comfortable like soloing up something, but but if he felt like you know maybe that was uncomfortable for for who he was with, then he would you know be like, yeah, well let's let's rope up and make this happen, you know and. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, for me, it was like, I, you know, it was, it was a real eye, eye opener to kind of get to see how like a, like someone with his skills performed because it was like, oh, okay, that, that's how it get, gets done. You know, it's yeah, like, like a lifetime of someone with a lifetime of that skill. Yeah, yeah. Like you can do that. You can just, you know, front point your way up that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's going to be fine. So, wow. um, yeah, he was definitely... I mean, he would give you, you know, he would give you advice on how to do things, but, but he was definitely more of the like, yeah, just lead by example type of teacher. Hmm. Well, did you ever have a moment when you were, you know, learning the ropes where it was really challenging for you and you were with Dallas and like. Do you remember an interaction like that? Not not your interaction where it's like you and Dallas had friction, but I mean you maybe you're scared, right? Or maybe you're tired and you need someone and Yeah, you know. definitely. I mean I, I was definitely scared scared many, many times, you know. It's like <laughs> um Yeah, I'm trying to think of specifics, you know, but there were many times where yeah, I was like, Man, okay, are we gonna be able to do this? Or mm-hmm. and you know, and Dallas would just proceed and do it you know so <laughs> Dallas was pretty you know he he was definitely you know he was he was a bold he was a bold mountaineer and um I was always amazed at how you know how he would how he could keep going too with like it seemed like man he's like never drinking any water he's hard, <laughs> you know he's hardly eating anything he's like you know? an angel taking me up here I know it's like <laughs> I'm like you know Drinking like three liters of water, and Dallas has got like one container of Gatorade that seems to last him all day. You know, it's like he's definitely tapped into something that, like, you know, the rest of us are are not privy to. Because he, <laughs> yeah, he seemed to like not. It didn't really need to to take in uh, liquids or nutrition to get things done. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> so make make for a much lighter pack. It would. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, with Dallas, did he seem to have a lot of energy? Like in terms of, because he, he was about what, when you met him in his fifties, you mm-hmm. said, uh, and a lot of people would think of like a 50 year old, you would look at like a, 25 year old and a 50 year old and it'd be like a clear distinction between which one had like more energetic and more enthusiasm and more like athleticism um but i've seen people like someone that i know personally like brian Bordeaux, right mm-hmm. where 
oh Jesus, like he could he can he can run out he can run a lot you know farther than me or faster or just something like like yeah. he looks very you know strong mm-hmm. and it's surprising to see people in their older age who are um, of that strength and now it's not surprising at all and I think it's cool because I got a long way to go so yeah no I think you're right I think a lot of people you know a lot of younger people who were climbing with Dallas in his older ages were were quite shocked you know like oh we're gonna go out with this old guy or something you know mm-hmm. but uh yeah he definitely had an endless amount of energy I mean you know not not to say that he didn't get tired like the rest of us but yeah but I mean he definitely had you know uh he you know he knew what he knew that he was going to take everything he had and he knew how to conserve too you know but like he was an energizer bunny for sure. Like he, you know, he definitely could keep the enthusiasm pretty ramped up all day, you know, get back to the car. He might take a nap in the car on the way home or whatever, mm-hmm. but, uh, but he was pretty much game on in the mountains, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been with Dallas in a low point that when he's experienced on the low point? And if you, how did that go? Man, yeah, Dallas was always pretty, uh, always seemed pretty with it, you know. And then there were times, you know, when you could tell he was getting tired or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know. I mean, we all take our turns. I think people kind of bonk at different levels or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, he was generally pretty, if he was in the mountains, he was pretty upbeat. Like, mm. he was pretty... I don't really, you know, I mean, we, of course, you know, you end up talking about everything with your partners when you're in the mountains, mm-hmm. but, uh, or at the crag or whatever. But I mean, um, generally it seemed like when he was, when he was out and he was doing something, he was in into it a hundred percent. Like I, I don't ever remember Dallas seeing like he was very distracted, you know, mm-hmm. like he always seemed like he, he put the. He put the climbing face on and he kept it mm-hmm. till the end of the day. It was a very uh, interesting kind of people where I find that they gauge whether or not they should do something. They'll step up to the plate. Maybe they'll start at a trailhead if that's the thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if they are not feeling it, they'll turn around and go home. Yeah. So if they're not able to like, you know, to put that game face on, they're not going to stick with it. And then I see some other people where it's like grip and grin. Yeah. Go. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's those, those big things where it's like, it's a large preference. Yeah. Seeing some people, um, with Dallas, was there, how long were you guys climbing together until it started to become from like a, he's teaching you and bringing you up to you all are climbing partners and you guys are trying to pursue, you know, objectives. Um, yeah, no, that's a good question. And, and, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it, I don't remember when it, when it was, you know, mm-hmm. but there was definitely a time where, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like I, um, you know, I, I, I stopped being more of a student and, mm-hmm. and more of just an equal partner, you know, and, and that felt good. And, you know, I was off, you know, seeking climbing relationships with other people too, and mm-hmm. going on trips and whatnot. And, um, um, so yeah, I think, you know, who knows, maybe Dallas even learned a thing or two from me over the years, you know, yeah. maybe not about climbing, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, I don't really know when that happened. You know, mm. it was it was always so. Uh, uh, it was always such a pleasure to watch Dallas move, move. Mm. you know, you know, see how he would approach things, how he would do things. So I think, you know, I, I never stopped learning things from Dallas just cause man, it's just like, there's no, like, <laughs> like, you know, there's just so, there was pulling from so many years of, uh, yeah. of, of moving over terrain, mm-hmm. you know, the, yeah. So a lot of us would, you know, you know, would still joke that like, okay, when the, you know, when the going gets tough, then send Dallas out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, so, were there any, like, times where, like, technically speaking, right, um, where you saw him move in a way through climbing? You're like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. And then you are able to do it, and it's a lot easier for you? Yeah, totally. Because Dallas was kind of a, a king of, um, you know, I guess what you call third classing, you know, where mm-hmm. you – you're you're moving comfortably over whatever the terrain gives you and you're you're generally you know not not breaking a rope out unless it's necessary because it you know it just it just would slow you so down so much that mm-hmm. uh and yeah dallas you know had a lot more years of experience which is kind of knowing what to expect mm. so um i remember you know some of the early climbs i did with dallas where yeah i was just like you know it was just like kind of in awe of watching, watching the Obi Wan, you know, yeah, <laughs> do something that like he didn't seem possible, or you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, not not to say that Dallas, you know, I mean Dallas knew when to when to back off too, you know, he knew he knew when to break the rope out, he knew, mm-hmm. you know, he there were things that we backed off on, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't feeling it or. Something looked too sketchy. I mean, Dallas, Dallas definitely, you know, knew knew when to pull it too. Mm. So, do you remember a time when you guys like a notable time when you guys backed off of something? Um, yeah, there were several times. Um, one of them was, uh, yeah, in uh, on Mount Bora in Idaho. Actually, <laughs> it was just kind of like we were we. Uh, we were off route on the approach and it was just, it was too late in the day. And, mm-hmm. you know, Dallas is that ah, we, you know, it's just, we can't go up. Like it's uh-huh. just, he was visibly like upset about it. Like yeah. he was there to, to climb the thing, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, it just wasn't going to happen. So yeah. he's just said, no, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of us were like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas good. says, no, it's no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you found yourself uh, within the past few years in a similar situation? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not afraid to, to back off, you know, um, is, is it met with the similar frustration sometimes? Oh, definitely. I think, I think, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of a, I'm definitely like a peak bagger like Dallas was where, mm-hmm. If you get something in your head, you you can't really rest until until you've completed it, you know. Um, so generally, yeah, if I back off of something, I usually end up going back or and figuring out mm-hmm. a way to get it done, you know. There's there's still some some thorns in my side, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in Dallas is definitely the same way. Like he was wow. definitely like, you know, if he didn't get something, it, it bothered him. Like he. Oh, wow. He would make plans to go back and try it again, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. 
how many how many tick how many of his tick lists were, remained un- incomplete. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he definitely you know wasn't afraid to go back. To, even maybe it's six or seven years later. Wow. You know, like, I'm, I'm going back. I got to get this. You know? <laughs> I get it because there's like just some you know some stuff that I've climbed right where mm-hmm. I try it and I'm like oh. That is, that's terrible. I, I couldn't get up that. I thought I could. I th- it looked like it was, you know, Abel's great. I can climb, you know, in any other place, I suppose, that I've been to. And then I like it and I hate it. Because then, like, I really want to go back. It's and true. when I go back there, I'm, like, so stoked on it now. And I've learned a lot from that that weird relationship yeah. you get to where there's, like, tension created from not being able to do that, you know. It's true. It's like you, uh, you know, it becomes personal kind of or something, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, and, and I think Dallas embodied that into a lot of the people that he climbed with, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was, you know, there was a goal here and that goal was, was to be met. And mm-hmm. if you didn't meet at that time, then you're just going to have to go back and try it again. So, so, uh, it'd be better if we just got it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever talk about like um, like any um, principles uh, that that he had in regards to like life or to climbing? Yeah, I you know Dallas was definitely a very principled man. I mean, uh, um, I mean a you know kind of a a pillar in many ways. You know, in in his community, in his church, in his you know. I think Dallas, yeah, Dallas definitely set the bar pretty high. I think for for uh, um, how to how to live your life in a lot of ways. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, he he was uh, you know a success in many ways. I mean, he you know to to us as climbers, he was like you know he was like I said, he was like our Obi Wan. Um, <laughs> But you know, but he was also able to pull off a lot of things that that a lot of us didn't weren't able to do, you know, which was you know, stay in a marriage, mm-hmm. raise a family, have a, you know, have a lifelong career like uh I mean, I I f- I feel like, you know, he he set the bar for himself pretty high mm-hmm. and like and he balanced it, you know, quite well. I'm sure there were times when, uh, when you know, he disappointed himself and his family, just like all of us, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, for the most part, I, you know, I feel like he he got it, he got it pretty right, you know. He he stuck it out on every level, and and uh, you know, I, I think his uh, his shortcomings were few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. At that time, what did you have those thoughts um, when you were getting to know him with how he balanced his life? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he he kind of let me in on some of that. I think, you know, he saw me he saw me struggle with with you know some of my own you know relationships and how to balance things, and and he he would. He would kind of, you know, let you know in a subtle way how, how he made it work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I might have got off topic there, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right there. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he he uh, he definitely seemed to, 
I guess have it figured out, you know, mm -hmm. and then maybe a lot of that was just us, me looking and, you know, at this older veteran and, mm -hmm. and thinking, thinking that he did anyway, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah, he seemed to keep it together, yeah. you know, really well. Especially it's interesting when people start, I noticed like with climbing, regarding the injury anyways of, you know, like tendonitis or, or mm -hmm. injuring your pulleys. Um, where people will like try to climb five days a week, right? And right from the get go, and then they get injured. Um, and there you come into that thing where there's like less is more, right? And there there's uh, a diminishing point of returns. But a lot of people, when they try something and they really like to do it, they want to do it all the time. And that's where I think it'd be it's interesting because you you are introduced to someone who's like obviously balancing all of these things, doing this activity that you like to do too and you want to do well mm -hmm. he's doing it well but you know i would was there any kind of like did you want to do it more more often than he was available around that time and did you guys ever had a discussion around that uh yeah for sure for sure um which is you know i think why i started initially seeking out more partners was i think mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I was, a, I wanted to climb, I wouldn't say more than Dallas, but more than Dallas felt like he probably, you know, could or should mm -hmm. like, um, and I think, you know, Dallas, Dallas knew how to work it pretty well. He was a pretty good planner, you know, he'd be like, oh yeah, I can climb, you know, next Saturday or like, you know, <laughs> he was pretty, he was pretty he was pretty good about making sure he got home in time too, mm -hmm. you know. Dallas was kind of the king of of like the day climb, I think at that at that point in his life. You know, occasionally we would get out for overnighters or mm -hmm. maybe he'd plan like a week trip in the summer or something, but but a lot of the climbing that that did with Dallas was, you know, day a lot of long day trips, mm -hmm. you know, North Cascades day trips. So, you know, and he knew how to balance it at Erie too. You know, he mm -hmm. lived. We both lived really close to Mount Erie, so we could be like, "Hey, you know, I got like four hours or something. I'll meet you at the base." Mm -hmm. You know, so hmm. so. But you know, I mean, he was making sure that he was, you know, home. You know, and I mean, his his wife Carolyn. You know, she she's uh she had cancer for a while, and that mm -hmm. that really uh, limited his his climbing. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, at that point, he was, he kind of like, uh, had to, you know, forego the mountains and, and rightfully so, you yeah, know, exactly. he didn't want to be far and, and luckily, you know, she, she made a full recovery and, um, but I remember, you know, you're thinking, oh, Dallas can't really get out right now. And you, mm -hmm. you understood why, mm -hmm. you know, but it was still like, oh, I got to find another partner, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but, but Dallas, yeah, he made sure he. I'd like to th think that he made sure that, you know, he family came first. And I think he was pretty devoted to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that, that's cool to, to have someone who's a mentor with just in that kind of spot, you know, and just having all of these things, pushing and pulling them in these different directions. Cause like I would hope, and I'm interested to find out <laughs> if um, he was able to um, offer some advice so that you didn't have to make mistakes. Yeah, he, you know, Dallas very seldom gave, I would say, personal advice. Mm, like, mm. Um, but there there were a few times when he would kind of intersect his, uh, kind of what, what he thought might be the right course, mm. you know. 
but he, he was never very like um pretentious yeah or yeah. judgy or you oh, know cool. like that was a like he was you know he was a very religious person and that's what i was a follow up with the religious yeah. thing is like i don't i i respect everyone for their individual beliefs sure. but i had like the prejudice i don't know the presumption that like most people who are religious are like let me tell you what you ought to do. Mm -hmm. And like, I've learned through, <laughs> through these activities, right? Like martial arts and stuff like that, that like, that's not the case. It's just, that's just a person. Right. And you yeah. don't have to be religious to be that person. You just, that was a vehicle for you to be pretentious. Right. Yeah. No, Del, Del, I mean, he knew that, you know, he knew that I was like not religious at all, but mm -hmm. that, that didn't stop us from, uh, you know, having a friendship and, mm. and a partnership. You know, <laughs> we kind of, you know, we, he kind of tell me what he thought, but, you know, he kind of left that out of it. It wasn't mm. part of a, it wasn't important to our, to our friendship or, you know, our climbing relationship, which, which was awesome, yeah, you cool. know, but, and, you know, at the same time I was like, yeah, well, I'm, you know, it taught me to be kind of respectful mm -hmm. of someone else's ideas too. Yeah. You know, cause <laughs> that's exactly what it was for me is cause like I had a guy and you know, he's a pastor and you're doing like jujitsu mm -hmm. with him and his wife is doing kickboxing in a skirt to her ankles. Cause she yeah. can't wear like, <laughs> yeah, anything like, you know, up above that. And then she has like full long sleeve shirt cause they can't show their arms wow. and she never yeah. cut her hair yeah. cause that's like against her religion. And it's like, Oh, these guys are really cool. Like they they <laughs> they completely changed how I how I my presumptiveness yeah. of people who are religious because I'm like no, they're, those guys are awesome. I love them coming over for birthday parties and all those things because they're not right. like it's just people first, not religion first. You yeah, know? when you see that, it kind of makes you less judgy. Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's like if they're okay with me, then I can certainly be okay with them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um. How did your guys' relationship evolve over the years, um, given that he had that time where he had to pull away from the mountains um, because of his wife having cancer? Um, did you guys, like, s after she had gotten through cancer, did you guys start spending more time doing these um, trips? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean... Um uh, once again, you know, Dallas is, like I said, his, his kind of big trips were pretty few and far mm -hmm. between at that point. Um, well, are you doing day trips like Alpine stuff? Yeah. What? Yeah, Dallas was kind of the king of like, um, you know, scrappy, low elevation peaks and in the North Cascades and mm -hmm. stuff. Like, uh, I mean, you know, we, we did, we, obviously we did overnighters too, but like, like he was definitely an obscurist, and I think that that worked for him because um, because it did allow him to make it home every night mm. to be with the kids and to be with his wife was like, well, if we get up super early, you know, and meet here, mm -hmm. and you know, I, a lot of times it'd be going up some peak that like you know you're not you're not going to find these peaks in guidebooks. Mm -hmm. or, I mean, maybe in the Becky guides, but they're not certainly not going to be in any sort of selected book or something. Mm -hmm. you know? You know, we're talking about, oh, let's go up Long's Peak or, <laughs> or you know, something to Mountain Loop Highway, some other thing on Mountain Loop Highway or, you know, I mean, these are brushy, scrappy, you know, peaks. And a lot of times in order to actually climb these and have any sort of fun, you need to do them in the winter. Mm -hmm. So, and Dallas even wrote several little guidebooks uh, that 
are pr- probably pretty hard to come by these they days. They are but, very hard to come by. But yeah, winter climbs in the, you know, winter mm-hmm. climbs in the Cascades and stuff. Spiral bound. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, he was kind of drawn to, uh, to, you know, a lot of these peaks that aren't really that uh, famous, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and like, like we kind of discussed earlier, I think, uh, you know, Dallas's era of climbing was kind of the, the, the generation after like the Beckys and Ed Cooper and those guys. So it was, um, a lot of the low hanging fruit had already been climbed. So, uh, you know, that, that left a lot of the, the lower elevation Mm -hmm. peaks. Uh, if you wanted a new route or a first ascent, you had to kind of think outside the box and. And Dallas definitely was not afraid to go, you know, tackle peaks with, you know, very little information or mm-hmm. anything. Just Do you feel that sometimes he was drawn to that? Like the fact that it had very little information? Yeah, I think he was. I think that was, uh, you know, his the spirit of adventure for him and what he passed on to a lot of his partners, too, was that, like, um, you know, you can go you can still go have, a, you know, an experience um, that no one else has had, mm. or you can go out and, you know, climb something with, you know, with no route description, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, I mean, you know, today's era of like, you know, where climbs are posted on social media and there's plenty of guidebooks and internet information. And, um, you know, a lot of people, they want to just seek out things that are already been done. They, they want to know what to expect mm-hmm. with every move. Um, but I think for Dallas, there was definitely like, uh, uh, you know, it might've been a peak that's been climbed by many routes, but if you go up this side of it, there's no information. So, you know, it's going to be like, you might as well be in a different country. I mean, it's, (laughs) and you look through like the Becky books and such, and there's a lot of obscure, um, routes on peaks that, that Dallas has done over the years. And a lot of them have never been repeated, you know, a lot of, I mean, you know, you're sure they're just like complete horror fest. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the North face of the triad or something mm-hmm. from Marble Creek. I mean, it's just like, you know, the brush and choss and has just got to be horrendous. You know, yeah. there's a reason why no one else has, has done that because <laughs> <laughs> it would be insane. But you know, this was the kind of stuff that, that Dallas was drawn to, you know, uh-huh. he, he liked obscure routes on obscure peaks, and uh, he liked the the mystery of figuring it out for himself. So, mm-hmm. I fi- I think that was really special. Yeah. yeah. And did you um? Says. Hold on, sorry, Scott. No <laughs> you can edit, right? Yeah, yeah, I can edit. <laughs> Sometimes I don't, though. <laughs> Leave a pause. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is life. That's okay, it's hard to get It is. Momentum. Uh, <laughs> um, with, so you guys did a lot of the winter climbing then, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we, like, we did, did a fair amount of that, definitely. Yeah. He was definitely uh, an all-season mountaineer. Mm-hmm. You know, he, uh, you know, it was... And I think a lot of the route choices too. I mean, you know, you get short days in the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're out climbing something in in late November, like you got a pretty small window. Yeah. You know, so you get kind of had to keep your uh, your objectives small. It doesn't mean they weren't technical. It just means you know they weren't on huge peaks. Mm-hmm. That makes so, sense. Um. So yeah, Dallas was definitely he loved getting out and you know 
in the winter. It was it's funny. Uh, eventually, he did kind of get some more modern um, climbing apparel or whatever. But mm-hmm. oh, wow. I remember the first, you know, some of the first years we climbed together. You know, he was still out in like wool. Wool knickers, you know. Oh, <laughs> no way. <laughs> and strap on crampons, you know. Wow. And, and I, here I am hanging out in my my uh, fancy, uh, you know, Patagonia clothes or whatever. And <laughs> But it was good to see that, too, because it's like, man, you don't need that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You, just you don't need that stuff to climb. Like, he, he, he'd be up there with his wool mittens on, you know, swinging ice tools and like. Wow. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what were some things that you admired most about Dallas? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it has to go back with that, like we said, that that balance of uh of getting his personal personal climbing goals met and um and and doing right by the rest of the factions in his life. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably, probably foremost what I admired about him. Um, but yeah, there was, there was certainly a lot to, a lot to admire. Like his, obviously his endless uh, enthusiasm for, for anything to do with climbing was, yeah. was pretty infectious. Like, like no burnout. It's like, I know. And it didn't really matter. It didn't matter if you were, you know, it was a, mm-hmm. it was a half day of cragging at Erie or, some big day in the mountains, like he he kept that enthusiasm, you know, and you know you'd be walking around Erie with him or something, and going to a climb, and you know he'd meet some people climbing and start talking to them, and like you know, oh that's so you get cool. you get wrapped up in their energy, mm-hmm. you know, and like man, he just he loved Mount Erie. It was just like that's he was cool. so passionate about that place his whole, you know, basically almost his whole life. Wow. Like, uh, you know, I mean, he 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 could go there and be entertained, like no matter what. Like he was just like if he was climbing something or scrapping around in the brush, like it's so like he was happy because like <laughs> it's like with a very short vicinity of perhaps wherever anyone lives on you know Anacortes Island in Washington, but like it's accessible easily by bridge. Um, do you have this big hunk of rock? And you can just play on it endlessly. Yeah. And you can spend even like, I don't know, what, like a few years on it and you wouldn't really, re- maybe like a year, two years and you wouldn't repeat. And you would, no, longer than that. Cause, well, cause you'd have to have like the technical, de- technical ability to be able to do all of it. You can right. spend a long time out there and there's yeah. all these new things to like play on. And yeah. I really emphasize it that way because f- in my opinion, there's not much difference between what they create for children at a school and what you experience with trail, well, not trails, more with like the climbing, because a jungle gym is very close to that, mm-hmm. right? And like, it's interesting because then with the jungle gym, you get no instructions. It's like, go up, go down. There's some rules here, right? Then the climbing, it's like, ah, like go out there and what's these shiny bolts? <laughs> like, <laughs> or not even the bolts. Like, you just climb up and, yeah. you know, understand if hopefully you understand what protection is and how to place that. But I mean, if you don't, Right. Like it's you know, and as a kid, like you climb up and down like different. I know you kind of just rocks like figure it out as you go, right? Like yeah, and this is publicly accessible. Making the moves, yeah. <laughs> and he's responsible for what a lot of the routes that were set there, and he doesn't actually like no one owns it, but everyone owns it. Yeah, I know. He he definitely was very uh, active in 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 route, you know, setting routes on Erie. 
Mm-hmm. I think he really he really ramped that up um, when he was spending a lot more time at home. Mm-hmm. Like I said when when Carolyn was uh, had her illness and uh, like that was kind of his outlet. I think you know was to I can go to Erie for a few hours. Mm-hmm. And so he really got into um, to uh, setting routes and making trails and mm-hmm. cleaning rock and just, like like he you know he just kind of focused his all that enthusiasm he had into a smaller mm-hmm. a smaller arena at that point in his life mm. and was still able to just you know have endless enthusiasm for it and because of that people have been able to like feed and or not feed but like enjoy and delight in his enthusiasm and like the routes that he's revealed yeah. And, you know, even the trails, because people just spend hours and hours of their lives, like, learning those things. And then right. it draws people to that area, and it becomes a, a thing, right, where it becomes a part of people's lives. And it's just because a guy, a person, spent their energy, their time right. doing this thing that they love. And it, it's just, it's crazy, because I'd climb on Erie, and it, like, changed my life. Yeah. And I don't want to be like really dramatic about it, but no. it just shaped like us oh, how I want to spend my summer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a similar, you know, a similar experience too. It's just like <laughs> this is what I want to do now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if it wasn't because of this, you know, Sky and a few other people, like, this wouldn't have really been there in that way. Like, I would yeah. never have had that idea. And it's really cool because to to see that in terms of, for me the routes that I get to climb and and read about but then more is you hear that the person who created those routes is also like oh you want to you want to go up there i'll help you out yeah. like yeah and it's so beautiful cuz it's just bringing all along people and having this you know awesome experience and i look at you when i talk about about, about being afraid uh-huh. and excited and like i know you know i see it in you yeah, exactly. like and it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's it's yeah, it's kind of a a beautiful thing, you know. It's to 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 have all those emotions mm-hmm. and and want to go back and do it again, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, I'm loving it. I'm afraid. I'm yeah. And you just, know you experience similar to perhaps what he had when he set those and he thought about those when he's setting the route in some of these circumstances like Yeah, well I think that you know that's where Dallas cut his teeth too was on was on Mount Erie mm-hmm. and you know, he, continue- he wasn't he one of the first people to like explore Mount Erie like Cause that's Definitely what I read. one of the first, you know, one of the, you know, first climbers that visited that's it with wild. any, uh, you know, being a cedar woolly boy like he was. I mean, yeah. like he, and then ended up living, of course, moving to Anacortes. <laughs> but uh, you know, if if you're a, if you're a climber in the Skagit Valley, you're mm-hmm. you're gonna end up at Mount Airy. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and back, you know, back then there there wasn't that many of them, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we are blessed with that chunk of rock there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was um what was like the most memorable climb that you had with Dallas? Boy, there was definitely a lot of memorable climbs. Um probably Johannesburg, I think. Uh just cuz it all went so well and like it was kind of a mountain that uh that Dallas, 
I, don't, I, I just I think of Johannesburg when I think of Dallas because hmm. I think he's what is he climbed it seven he climbed it <laughs> seven times or something. Um, that was definitely one of the high marks. Um, I don't know. I was just it, it like I said it, to me Johannesburg and Dallas were kind of the same creature almost, mm. you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was like, you know, I remember it was funny because he, he was, it's kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to climb Johannesburg again. Cause at that time he'd already done it like five times. Wow. And then when he decided he wanted to do it again, he was like all over it, you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's go climb Johannesburg. Yeah. And I remember, um, <laughs> we went and climbed it you know everything went went fine and uh but later he uh you know he was just like that was it i'm never mm-hmm. i i don't ever have to climb that mountain again you know he even wrote an article about it for uh what was it pack and paddle which mm-hmm. used, doesn't exist anymore i'm sure but and it was like called six is enough you know it's like <laughs> six times but then he went back several years later and climbed it for a seventh time with uh with our friend steve trent yeah. so it was like it was like okay, Dallas. You know, even <laughs> though you you even wrote this article that said I'm never going to climb this peak again, he yeah. he went and did it again. So <laughs> memorable on a lot of levels. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. <laughs> and what was um, what was it like climbing with Dallas in his uh, in his later years? Um, definitely, pr- kind of um the same. I would say. Um, I would, you know, there's definitely a, a, some less frequency, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's for whatever reasons, you know, and I, I think a lot of it was just, you know, I was climbing with a lot of people at the time too. So maybe we weren't getting out mm-hmm. as much as, uh, as I would have liked. Um, and then, you know, I was of course working too, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, but no, Dallas, like I said, I, I think there was a little less frequency, but he still went at it with the same, the same enthusiasm mm-hmm. to, to the end. You know, um, if Dallas was in, he was, he was in, you know, he, he wasn't very, he wasn't very cavalier about his decisions, you know, like mm-hmm. if he was going to climb something, he'd, he wasn't wishy-washy about mm-hmm. it. It was either like, you know, you know, I think he could look at a calendar and tell if it was going to work for him and his mm-hmm. family or whatever. Oh, and, cool. uh, you know, so if there was a day that Dallas could climb, then you knew it was probably going to happen if the weather was permitting. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I never really noticed much of a slowdown in Dallas, you know, I mean, from time to time, sure, you know. Yeah, his life comes and goes. Yeah, you know, and he'd, he'd, he'd had some problems with his foot for a while that kind of slowed him down. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, yeah, it just, Dallas was definitely hard charging to the end, you know, he, uh, which was, which was really, uh, you know, makes me, f- uh, feel pretty whiny about my aches and pains <laughs> or whatever, you know, cause like, yeah. like whatever, you know, you know, you get older, stuff starts to hurt more, you know, I mean, I, but, but Dallas was, he was tough. There mm-hmm. was, there was no doubt he. He just sucked it up and made it happen, and then with a smile on his face. It sounds like know? this. The, the big thing for me too is that quality of life, because like I see people in um, other kinds of like disciplines, like sports mm-hmm. and stuff, martial arts. You got one guy who's uh, he's got his arm s- smaller, mm-hmm. and it's because he had like a, a I don't know what happened to his disc. I think it, 
it's a herniated discs or one of his discs mm-hmm. slip and that like caused like the muscles in here to spasm and it got really tiny mm-hmm. and now he can't use it very well and he's basically like screwed and you know he's done with his career though and he makes decent money yeah. um as he retired so you'd consider him successful but i wouldn't because if i were to lead if i were to follow in his footsteps and use him for me as a leader um or a role model because i'm more i want quality of life just like you know with that balance between is this thing gonna this thing might be dangerous i might get hurt i could die but it's not very likely as long as i tick all these boxes it Mm -hmm. still could happen um but is it going to harm me over like the long term? Is it going to you know compress my spine? Is, it, mm-hmm. is the likelihood going to ruin my, you know my foot? So after you know many years of doing this, I'm going to be fucked up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I see like a lot of people who have pretty good longevity. Yeah, uh, and which is encouraging. Yeah, you know, some people not so much. Other people. Dallas mm-hmm. used to. Yeah, he used to. I think he was kind of genetically gifted or whatever. Because I remember there was, you know, sometimes I'd, hey, Dallas, like, you know, do you ever, like, stretch or, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, you know, you're thinking, do you do yoga or something, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, you know, I suspected he didn't just because that didn't really seem like his personality. But, um, but you know, he was just like, ah, I remember he was just like, you either got it or you don't. was kind of <laughs> how he put it. You know, it was like, it was like you're either, like, going to do this or you're not, mm-hmm. you know? And, and uh, so, yeah, I pretty much got from you know Dallas that he you know he didn't do a whole lot of stretching oh, wow. or, you know he just did it like for him it was just like you just go do this thing yeah. you don't really you know I mean he did a lot of preparation in other way like to keep himself fit mm-hmm. like you know he was an avid runner and he bicycled and you know he uh, constantly was climbing you mm-hmm. know i think he i think there were periods of his life where he was doing a lot of cragging um in preparation for the mountains mm-hmm. and, then, and then the cragging became kind of its own entity mm-hmm. where he was you know totally into that too so he was definitely very uh very well-rounded i think as far as um his disciplines you know mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but the stretching not so much <laughs> yeah no, no stretching <laughs> like oh my muscles i don't know yeah, i don't need to drink water stretch yeah. i just you know <laughs> uh, food nah. but he was also you know he's very like he was very tall lanky oh really you know, not an ounce of body fat like oh wow you know um kind of an imposing you know just this tall lanky mm-hmm. you know wiry uh, dude yeah. you know like and um yeah, it's like he definitely wasn't carrying around any extra. Yeah, exactly. You know, Whoa. so he was kind of an imposing force that way. You know, he's kind of he craggy from you know a lot of it from age, a lot of it from spending a lot of his a lifetime outdoors. You know, mm-hmm. he 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 definitely he kind of looked like he was chiseled out of stone. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's how Brian looks too. He looks very much in that way. I'm just, yeah, mm-hmm. like you are one with the rock. Yeah, I was like, what the. Fuck? man like, <laughs> but i'm like oh okay I don't, yeah yeah exactly he definitely he had a brian Burdo is yeah they have similar kind of that yeah lanky wiry you know body type mm-hmm. yeah, that seems to serve it serve them well it does yeah exactly <laughs> i'm like i'm gonna play outside i'll see what happens yeah <laughs> exactly and um what was uh what was your last climb with dallas like Ah, well, that was definitely life-changing. I mean, um, 
I've the last climb of Dallas was the climb that that he uh, he died on. So um, uh, I was. Uh, yeah, really, really difficult. Probably one of the, if not the hardest things so far that I've had to, to uh, live through. Was the um, climb itself like technically challenging or formidable or? Uh, formidable, yes. Not so much technically. I mean, it was just a lot of, um, you know, uh, scrappy third and fourth class, mm-hmm. um, loose rock terrain. It was the Pleiades up by uh, Mount Larrabee. North Cascades. Um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, a day that changed everybody's lives. Um, at least, you know, everybody that was there and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Dallas's family. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I don't, you know, senior, senior, your, you know, your mentors, um, uh, parish is a hard thing. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, Definitely changed everything for me and probably mm-hmm. everyone that was there, you know. Uh, definitely changed uh, my climbing, uh, uh, the way I, lo- you know, look at risk risk assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it was difficult. I don't, I don't really... Uh, it d- definitely didn't change the passion that I have for for the mountain environment or anything, but mm-hmm. it definitely made me look at, you know, consequence, consequence to actions and uh, how, how it affects, uh, uh, people's families and lives. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting in the quality of his life though, for how long he had lived with the consideration that it's like his whole life was the things that he loved. He wasn't pursuing something. And then, at some point, going to pursue another thing. It was like right. I—it's my family. It's climbing. It's running. It's teaching, all at once and here and now. Yeah. And it is a very interesting thing to see someone do that all the way until the day that that you know they they pass away and doing one of the things that they love. It also is hard because now you're—it just comes full circle for you because now you're at this spot where like you're. Who, his age when you met him mm-hmm. and you're getting to look at all of these ways that he impacted you and you can internalize it in your own life, which I'm sure you have. Yeah, definitely. Like it's, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't like, you know, think about Dallas and, and think about that last day. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it definitely, you know, it has a profound effect, I think, because, um, you know, we all, we all, especially, you know, climbers, I think, who kind of uh, glorify the warrior, the mm-hmm. warrior death or whatever, yeah. you know, and it's like, um, you know, on a lot of ways, it's, it, you could look at it like, wow, you know, Dallas, you know, Dallas kind of, <clears throat> kind of uh, took this bull by the horns. Like he, he was hard charging, you know, mm-hmm. he, he. He went out doing what he loved. I mean, there's there's a lot of romanticism um, toward that. I think, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of um, go down that path. But at, at the same time, you know, uh, seeing how it uh, affects, affected, you know, his, his wife and children um, definitely 
made me think about how uh, people would react to my mm -hmm. to my similar passing, you know, and it it definitely, it, you know, for some people it definitely has a changing effect, and I think for me it it uh it, it changed the way that I um definitely look at at the lifestyle and the environment, mm -hmm. you know. I think I look at it more now as like, wow, this is a really cool thing that I get to share with um with people that I care about, you know, mm -hmm. being in the mountains and, and Dallas definitely, you know, taught me how important that was. I think it, how it helped was it kind of took out the like, wow, okay, but there are more important things. You yeah. Know? <laughs> You're, like, you've subtly influenced me over time. I've already been there. Like if, yeah. over the course of six months, been like I think about that and just tempering that, like thinking of all these years that I have ahead of me and like how I'm thinking about certain things. I'm like, I want to go climb all the volcanoes this year. And it's like, mm -hmm. I, I just, just, just kind of temper it a little bit because <laughs> like, it's sad. There are, there are more important things. And even if I like kind of, you know, Excitement is not always a net positive. Yeah, if that if that makes sense. Right? No, I think it does, and I I think Dallas was good at, at knowing at teaching some of that in a way too, because like like you're better you you know you're best to have a long a long career to get things done, you mm -hmm. know, which he did. I mean, like I wish he would have had more time, and and I'm sure he does too, you know, because he was still getting after it. Mm -hmm. You know, but I mean, like I, you know, he put in a lifetime of climbing, you know, mm -hmm. and like, it's like, I would rather be that guy. And maybe I got to pass up a few of the ones that really scare me, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'd rather be there, you know, next year and try it again or, you know, or mm -hmm. like, Hey, whatever that, that mountain's going to be there. You yeah. Know? It's like, so you trust in that that that's who you that's who you are. Yeah. That you choose that and that that you have like this amount of time because you know next year or at the next opportunity you're ready and available. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Stay in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if that means you know stretching and doing some yoga, well, we're not all like Dallas. Some of us yeah. might have to do that. But exactly. Like, but like, stay in the game. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Some of us have to do deep breathing so that we're not going to have panic attacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in in closing, uh, is there anything that you found? In closing, was there anything that after reflecting on how long you've known Dallas for that um, in in how your guys' relationship was and in his own choices that would you do a little bit differently for yourself? Um, let me see. L looking back on uh, from Dallas's perspective? Yeah, or? from Dallas's perspective and then your own perspective climbing, like just thinking of... Um. Yeah, I think I think uh, from what Dallas taught me, and and you know maybe what his passing taught me was to definitely not like overlook an opportunity uh, to tell people what they mean to you, because you, mm -hmm. you might not get another chance. Yeah, like, <laughs> and also just to like, man, just there's something really special about. The community, the climbing community, and like 
it's just like, I don't know, like when you're a lifer, you know, you're going to be a lifer. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, taking unnecessary risk all your life, but just go out, just to go out and enjoy the mountains or whatever, you know, you can mm -hmm. apply that to whatever passion we're talking about, yeah. I guess. But, but yeah, Dallas is like un unlimited, like, uh, enthusiasm. Mm-hmm was really contagious and uh yeah i'm sure my life would be profoundly different if i hadn't met him and not just from a climbing perspective mm -hmm. but just from a like how to live life and and live it fully yeah exactly <laughs> this is a beautiful thing is like it's like outside of it's not climbing it's that you know pursuing your passions um taking care of you know your financial survival needs right, right. in a profession uh whether or not those overlap it doesn't matter it's like you got then you have family and then you have health like, yeah it's you know it's very black and white but like all those containers and watching someone who just fills them up as best and carefully as they can you know right. making all their own mistakes but like right like that is the measure how I'm trying to measure my own success um, is by doing that, right? As opposed to like how am I quickly getting to this grade or am I running a hundred miles? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's no, it's just it's how am I doing and not really what am I doing? Right? right? How's that quality? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> quality over quantity, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Man. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you'd like to check out the first one, if you missed it, you can go to becomingHumanPodcast.com forward slash Dallas One. It's D-A-L-L-A-S One. And if you'd like to support the show, you can head over to iTunes, Google Play, rate, review, share it with a friend. You can pick up some merch on becominghumanpodcast.com. Woo! Love learning more about Dallas Cloakey and his cohorts. Especially when I'm standing at the edge of like a lifelong plunge into mountain adventures, right? And being a father. Like I love to be able to listen to how other people had spent their lifetimes um in the mountains. Thank you guys for listening. I'm going to play you out with a track by Christoph Crane, Always Be Afraid. songs and making friends and try my hardest to be the best person I possibly can you show me how to look into myself and see the problem and reminding me no matter who you are that we've all got them now I think of you each time I stop to talk to someone I don't know I can't get rid of you I can't let go of something I can't hold I miss having the option to call you when I'm feeling down you always found a way to listen till you felt me through the phone now I walk around acting like I've learned to deal with it when I just want to sit with it so I can feel how real it is I don't want to let you down I hope I'm making you proud you taught me how to be myself but right now I just don't know how Can't seem to figure out exactly what I'm supposed to do Sometimes I cry until I can't Sometimes I laugh until I'm blue It's like you live so you learn what it feels like to be dead And then you die so you can finally feel alive again You will always be my friend forever, ever be my friend This is just a new beginning, time will see us through again Till the end, till it ends
will always be my friend This is just a new beginning Time will see us through again You will always be my friend Forever, ever be my friend This is just a new beginning Time will see us through again Till the end, till it ends You will always be my friend This is just a new beginning Time will see us through again I find myself between feeling bad for what I lost And feeling grateful for the privilege of knowing you for so long Kill the king, you told me I asked you what it meant You said it means to feel with all your heart and out of your head So now I try to have and figured out how to accept That I won't ever get to see you again until I'm dead Remember on the plane flying home from out west How we made a friendly bet of who could sell my CDs to our fans You loved that game, and so did I Even though I always knew that you would win every night without trying Now I'm faced with that meat I can't bite through I ask myself the question, I wonder what would Mike do But I know what you would do, you take your time and think it through And if it didn't come to you, you'd walk away and keep you cool And even though the memories are blowing in the wind Just know no matter what, you'll always have me as a friend You will always be my friend forever, ever be my friend This is just a new beginning, time will see you through again Till the end, till it 